name's Aaron. And he had a master plan. He had a friend. His name's Merlin. And that's where it all began. Complete recovery. It's made up Welcome to another completely wonderful episode of The Complete Story. I'm Chuck Kravanek, and once again, we're missing Miles Jensen, my sidekick, but uh, today it is my great pleasure to be sitting here with Wally Jensen, otherwise known as Wallace Jensen. Is that is that your formal name, Wally? It is. Okay. Uh, and everybody that's associated with Complete Recovery knows Wally. He's been with us for a, a number of years, would you say? uh working on number 10 there you go so why don't you start out tell us uh, to the 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 real uh uh topic of today's uh podcast is to pump you for information on what the early days of complete recovery were like but why don't you start out by telling us a little bit about yourself and for those who might not know you so um born and raised in utah Graduated from the university business school. Um, worked my way through college. Um, had a had a friend that gave me a call that was a vice president of a bank and said, "Hey, I know you're going to school, but why don't you come to work for us and that'll help pay for your books and tuition." Um, so I went to work for Commercial Security Bank, and. Um, decided that was a pretty good gig. Um, it helped me focus what I wanted to graduate in, uh, my degrees in finance, and uh, started me on a banking career. Me and another fellow were the first two um, uh, executive trainees that were hired by the bank. Uh, when they started to say, hey, we're going to have to start grooming our own talent. And both of us were guys who had kind of worked various positions throughout the bank for the previous three years while we were going to school. Um, I, uh, I joke and say I did 10 years, and that's that to this point is the longest job I had. I worked for them for just over 10 years. Um, and then did what I call my banking sabbatical. I left uh, the bank and went to work for one of my customers, developing a hotel in Barbados. Oh, fascinating. It was tax-sheltered, structured, um, and I got a significant education in tax law uh, along with that project and along with, with moving forward with it. Just as we had started construction on the buildings, for the hotel, um, the internal revenue made some changes in the internal revenue law. Overnight, the 12 marketing people who sold this um, tax-sheltered program, uh, literally, we came to work on a Monday and the whole marketing department, which was a third of our building, was gone. <laughs> Furniture and all. They just left in the middle of the night. The boss called me into his office. I was over operations. The boss called me into his operations and says, what do we do now? (laughs) 
And my response to him was, if we don't get this darn hotel built, somebody's going to jail. And him and I spent the, new t- the next two years getting the hotel up and operating and, and open to the people who had bought into it. Um, so you lived in Barbados. I commuted back and forth. Okay. But those commutes were, I'd be there for four to six weeks at a time and then, yeah. and then come home for, a, uh, at the end of the two years of that process, I literally would come home and plan on being sick for three days. <laughs> it just, just the travel and the pressure of being away from home and, yeah. and keeping things going. That wears a man out. Um, I will say the Internal Revenue ended up suing us. Um, that took another three years. I'd moved on, gone back into banking. We ended up winning that lawsuit. But at the end of the day, the Internal Revenue won because all of the partners had headed for the hills yeah. and everybody had disappeared. And I think the greatest compliment was is, is um, the head guy who was over the prosecution sat down with me and the owner of the business and said, of all of the people who did these projects, you were the only one that won and the reason you won is because you were honest with us and honest with your customers. We still didn't like what you were doing. <laughs> yeah. Um, came back into banking, and it and it really started a, an interesting career. I went to work for um, USA Federal Savings Bank. It was about a year and a half old. Had been started by former military people who knew nothing about banking. And the regulators imposed some restrictions on them to say, if you don't get some banking people in here that know how to run a bank, your future may be limited. And so me and eight other guys were part of a team that the bank hired to to help bring some banking expertise into, into USAA. And I'm proud to say that bank is one of the strongest banks in America today. Yeah, yeah. And it's as easy doing business with them today in San Antonio, Texas, out of Salt Lake City, as it is trying to find my key bank operation here. Yeah. Um, In the process of doing that, that that was a big company. We were playing in what at the time was some nuances in banking law. I became somewhat an expert in the nuance of the banking law, and GE Capital recruited me away. They had been working on a bank for three years, and and uh, about a month and a half before they hired me, the regulators had said, hell no, never. Uh, they hired me and one other guy to say, can you, can you change their mind? And that was the beginning of what became GE Money Bank. Um, We got that approved. The regulators ended up loving us. Um, And just as we were moving into a new phase with that bank, uh, AT&T recruited me away to come and be the president of all of their banking operations um, that they had outsourced. And the job was is, is we need all these brought in. We need to own them. We can't, we can't do the rent-a-bank program anymore. Yeah. Um, and was involved in that for five years. And then 
went to New York and told uh, AT&T that they had to be prepared to, to give us a billion dollars a year to grow because if we weren't growing, we were dying. And if they couldn't make that kind of capital commitment on an ongoing relationship, they ought to sell it. And two weeks later, I was called into um, one of the vice president's offices in New York, and and me and seven other guys were tasked with selling AT&T Universal Card ultimately to Citibank. Um, that began a journey. We sold it to Citibank. Citibank hired me to stick around and and run their um, uh, business to business banking portion. Um, AT and T was the ultimate in team operations, and I learned to embrace, love, and work with teams. And we spent a lot of time embedding that team process in our culture. Citibank was a whole lot different. The way you got a promotion was killing your boss. <laughs> uh, I left them, went to work for Volvo Commercial Finance, uh, ended up selling that to Citibank, left them, and went to Sears, which was my last big banking hurrah, was over all of their bank operations. We had two banks that I was president of and ran a $2.5 billion business-to-business lending program. My last banking gig was I had, me and another guy were working on buying a bank in Florida um, to do some really unique things. Um, My friend and partner owned what is today the nation's largest heating and air conditioning finance company, and we decided we needed to be a bank. It was absolutely the wrong time. It was during the housing crash. Yeah. Uh, regulators weren't improving anything new. They came to me and said, but if you'll go find a troubled bank, we'll sell you that. And we did. We found a troubled bank in Florida. Um, in the middle of that process, our president quit, and the regulators called and said, you need a president. We're not going to let you run this thing from Utah, so you got to move to Florida, and I did. And long story, it ended up being a two-year gig. I got the bank sold. They didn't sell it to me and my partner for $83 million. It was sold for $2.5 billion to, in a group sale package to a banking operation out of Arkansas who hired me to stick around for a couple of years as the area president and run these combined entities. I quit that. I came home because my wife said she was tired of me traveling so much. Um, so you always maintained a home in Utah. Oh, yeah. We, we, we never moved from here. Okay. I bought a home in, in uh, Panama City Beach. She'd come two weeks, go home two weeks. I traveled so much that the Delta frequent flyer miles were... Paid for <laughs> were burned for that couple of years. Uh, but she said, I'm, I'm tired of this, come home. And, and because of the housing crisis, the banking world was not a real exciting place. Nobody was looking for a very expensive, fat old guy with gray hair to run their bank. Um, and 
she said, you've got to go find something to do because I can't deal with you hanging around the house. Merlin and Aaron came to me one night to talk about a real estate deal they were looking at and how they were going to go become kings of the real estate world with this big million-dollar package. They were going to put every dollar they had into this and asked me my opinion. And after I looked at it and said, the people you're competing against are hedge funds. They deal in billions, not millions. They live in New York and speak a different language than you two do. And they don't always follow the letter of the law. <laughs> You'll get your lunch eaten and lose everything you've got, so don't do it. They did follow my advice. At the end of the discussion, I said, do you have anything I could help you guys with? And both of them kind of lit up and said, boy, do we. But we don't have any money. We can't afford you. But would sure love you to come and give us a hand and grow our business. Um, now we're going to talk about the beginnings. And Complete Recovery had been around about three or four years before I showed up. Um, but so when you first showed up, what, what time are we talking about? 2007? 10 years ago. So 2008, 2007? 2008, 2009. So I showed up, we had this, the top floor, half of the top floor of this old office building in Murray. When it would rain, the water would come through the windows because the windows weren't sealed into the wall anymore. Um, and the first three weeks there, I was being trained on the telephones. And at the end of that three weeks, I sat down with Aaron and said, Aaron, this is really hard work. And it's not Wally Jensen. I can't do this. And if this is what you want me to do, thanks. It's been really nice. And he said, no, 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 no. I just needed you to learn our business. Um. Can you, we've got to grow this thing, and now you know how we do it. I need you to focus on figuring out how we can get some more customers. Um, and I will tell you, and part of this is my banking background, you can smell problems. <laughs> I wondered if I was, I was making a very little amount of money, still am. <laughs> and... And I didn't know if I was going to get paid or not. Yeah. Um, and I know, um, I'll tell that story in just a second. Anyway, Aaron said, look at it. I came back to Aaron a couple of weeks later after kind of looking around, trying to understand the business and said, you've got a real problem. He says, what's that? And I said, I can't go find you a new customer today because you've got an old dialer system and, and he, Merlin and Aaron owned this dialer. It was a box they owned. Yeah. Um, it could handle up to 25 licenses, I think. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, and we had 23 agents and I said, if I got a new customer, we <laughs> we don't have a dialer that can handle them. We can't hire any more people. The box itself is dying. Um, 
we got to figure something out. And Aaron's first comment was as well, I'll get together with Merlin. We'll go buy another one. I, no, 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 no. <laughs> Nobody does that anymore. You rent, you, you rent space on somebody's great big box. Yep. And so Aaron went to work and about two weeks later brought me into his office and said, okay, I've got this deal we're going to do with Noble Systems. Um, next week you're on a plane to go to Atlanta and you'll spend three weeks back there learning how to Figuring do Noble, how to to Noble Systems. Work. And then you'll come home and we'll start, we'll start on their system. And um, So what happened to the old dialer box? Is that still in the back? <laughs> <laughs> it literally is still in the computer room. Nothing runs on it. <laughs> Um, it is dead. Um, but we had three days into my Atlanta experience, um, wondering how Aaron was able to afford the plane ticket to get me there. Um, I was doing stuff I'd always paid others to do and wondering what the heck I'm doing. Cause I'm not, a uh, a computer guy and I've never done databases before um, and um, I learned to be a database guy I learned how to run a dialer I learned to do lots of things I'd never done before when I got home Aaron from Atlanta Aaron Eight, or Comcast had called Aaron and said, hey, we'd like you guys to do our, our uh, uh, long-term delinquent collections. And here's the catch. We don't want to put you out of business by giving you too much, but you've got to be able to take all of this, not a part of it, and you've got to be able to start in two weeks. <laughs> and... Aaron said yes. <laughs> and we hired another 30 agents. Um, we, in a very bumpy fashion, got Noble up and running. And we started not only doing that business, but winning success with that business. Aaron had to do two things. And back in those days, we never knew anything about finance and we never talked about it. And I'm not sure Aaron knew much about it. If he had money in the bank, we, we could pay a bill or make payroll. <laughs> um, but I know Aaron went and took out all of the money in his previous Comcast 401k and invested in the building or in the business. And the payroll company, the PEO we started with and had that helped us with these people, they financed the people over a three-month period that helped us bring yeah. people on now but end up paying pay pay later. Pay they, for they pay them. Them. Yeah, they yeah. floated you. That's and, awesome. and I call that the turning point of our business. Um. Well, that was a doubling in staff. It was a doubling in staff. Business, it was a client, significant increase in business. business yeah. 
it significantly increased our revenue. Um, and it ate up all of Aaron's 401k. And it ate up all of Aaron's <laughs> 401k. So he was all in. He was all in. Yeah. Um, and I don't know the whole story with Merlin. Merlin was in, and then Aaron would buy him out, and then Aaron would need money, and Merlin would come back into the business. Um, I know we ended up taking up all of that building in Murray. We took up the bottom half of the second floor, and then we were like a carcinoma. Um, and Comcast kept, well, gee, they did that. Can you guys do this other thing? Uh, we won the central division, and that was, that was well, we're going to give you a try with a part of Chicago. And um, within three months, the statistics weren't even close to even. We just beat the socks off of the other uh, agency that was handling uh, Chicago. And so we ended up getting all of Chicago, and then... We got most of Florida, and we just started picking up pieces, and that kept adding to revenue. We needed more agents. We didn't have the space in the building. Uh, we dealt with bandwidth issues because Comcast at the time wasn't in Murray. It was Utopia. Ah. Uh, not a very dependable uh, ISP. Um. And so Aaron and Merlin went shopping for a building. And there's a big story about the building they found um, and, and the financial deal that was put together as a result of getting into that building. They ended up buying it with a partner. Um, the partner had a real estate uh, issue he had to resolve there was no time to resolve it, and he became a partner with Merlin and Aaron and funded the money, the cash that was needed to buy the building. And us moving in, owning part of the, or occupying part of the building as a tenant. Um, but they bought the building. Um, the other guy fronted it, he was the, the, the head part of it, and at the end of the winter, the ceiling caved in on the building. This was a two-story building. The ceiling caved in, it pushed out all the walls. Oh, man. Um, Merlin stepped in and said, hey, we'll, we'll help you get this put back together. Found out that the guy hadn't bought insurance. So this problem was all on his dime. Oh, man. So the building got put back together. Ultimately, we moved in and occupied part of it. They're never able to rent any space, yet we continued to grow with the central division. And because of that growth, we expanded our footprint in that building. Um, I don't think Aaron and Merlin had planned to move from there. We did a bunch of tenant improvement things to make it a better place for our employees to work. And then the tenant across the parking lot of another building came to us and said, we want to buy the building. And uh, literally within about two or three weeks, they said yes, because the offer was, was a really, really good, good offer. offer based on what they'd paid for it. 
including the expenses of putting it back together. Yeah. And Merlin literally went out and found the building we're in on Lavoie Drive um, and convinced Aaron we could figure out a way to pay for it by us occupying the whole main floor of the bottom of the building and, in effect, paying yourself. Yeah. Um, and by this time, Merlin had finally came, came come to quit his day job at Comcast and came over full-time at Complete Recovery. And um, we started a very aggressive growth pattern. Merlin showed up and it was like kicking on the afterburners. Yeah. Um, a lot of that was his reputation within Comcast. So people understood he's not going to make promises he can't keep. Yep. Uh, we ended up growing with Northeast and with other things. Um, we were able to land the Cox business. Uh, and again, that was a creative thing Merlin and Aaron did. They went to Cox. We'd been working with them for two or three years. And finally, they said, got a sit-down meeting with them and said, look, if we can't double your recovery rate today, the work we do for you is free. Give us 90 days. Yeah. We blew the doors off of the doubling and the relationship with Cox has been fabulous ever since. Yeah. So. I'm always amazed at, uh, I know so little about business. I know a lot about people, but very little about business. And the fact that they give free samples yeah. <laughs> has always been fascinating to me. Aaron used to, Aaron, and, and I'll tell you an interesting story that used to drive me crazy. Um, MDU multiple dwelling units comcast had this thing called multiple dwelling units they are apartment houses where yeah. they'd go provide service to a whole apartment house yeah and it was base service but then you could get these other things but you had to get it on your own yeah um and then the the tenant would leave and and nobody went after collecting that other stuff Aaron told Comcast, well, we know how to take care of that. We'll, we'll do that for you. And we're not going to charge you anything for it. Um, that actually became what really was kind of the linchpin that satisfied the Chicago transaction. A lot of MDUs in Chicago. Um, we'd put, we had two dedicated agents at the time that manually dialed with a, with a dial telephone, yeah. these MDU units, to work on recovering the equipment. And we never sent an invoice on it. We paid these people to do the work. It was a cost. I'd sit down with Aaron at least every month and say, we ought to at least get a bounty on this equipment. We ought to be paid something. Um that commitment and the way we handled that was a linchpin in the Comcast partnership. Um, they recognized it, they saw our success, and they knew they weren't paying for what we, the work we were doing there. So that brings us up to today. 
Um, or does it? <laughs> well, at the in, when we were at the airport building, we Aaron called us into, and there were there was me and Lulu and Andrea in a conference room, and and Aaron basically said, "We're going to have to go find three new clients. We need to diversify this building, and we're going to double our revenue next year." And he had all of these really high-level plans of things we were going to do that I sat there and said, how are we going to do this? Yeah. And at the end of the conversation, he said, <clears throat> guys, what got us here isn't going to get us there. We've got to figure out a new way to get there. Um, I, you've heard me say this. I was, I think, a big part of what got us here it's been the Chucks and the Merlins and the Chets, the Chanseys that have got us there yeah. and are going to keep propelling us there. And we hired Hillary this week. We've, we've, You've got Lori that was a big part of what we're getting now. The only problem is, is I keep getting demoted along this path <laughs> uh, because, you know, I sat down with Merlin a year ago and said, we really need a finance professional in the business. You today are the only finance professional and you don't have time. You're running the business. Yes. And he never said good idea or way to go or that's a good thought, but we now have Joey Aguilar <laughs> as the CFO. And Joey was came to the business at the right time, Yeah. helped propel us to what's getting us there. And I got another demotion. <laughs> but we were talking about that. Uh, I was talking about that with Hillary. Is there's, there's people that have all the experience and talent, and then there's those that have a lot of potential. But you mentioned it too. The reason you've uh, been here this long, I think, is because you still, you're having somewhat fun because you're learning stuff, that learning about databases, your value... The things you do are so, I feel this way at Complete Recovery. The things I do here, the contributions I make are so valuable. That's when I leave here at night, I think, man, I made a difference here. There is a passion. And, and you know I've been a grouchy old man this last two weeks. A lot of pressure, a lot of stuff to get done, running behind on everything. Um but there's still this fire that burns, this passion we have. And I sent Joey a note this morning saying, I was literally two and a half months behind on our books. As of yesterday, I got everything caught up. Yeah. Um, and yep, something else had to be pushed to the side, but um, there is still plenty of work that needs to be done here. And yeah. We're happy to have the great employees we have. Um, none of us are perfect, but this is a family. Oh, yeah. And, and just like families, we snark, we, we, <laughs> we spend our frustrations with one another, but at the end of the day, it's a family. We love each other. Yeah, yeah. And, and Chuck, relative to you, you and I have become this last couple of months while we've been working on a project we've been working on uh, it's been a partnership and 
And it hasn't been the old CRC way of doing things, a lonely guy out there hoping I can get this done. No, that's the beauty is I think uh, and all teams should benefit from this because I think we have two different perspectives because we have different areas of expertise, but they, we've worked so well together. So thank you for that. Thank you for sharing this story. I think we have a meeting coming up that, we're gonna, that we have to get we to. Do. I will say there is a fabulous future yet to come for CRC. Totally And agree. I worry that we're not helping sharing that vision with enough of our folks because this is a great place to work and there is more exciting stuff to come. Yeah, I think the best is yet to come. That's, that's what's fascinating. So, well, thank you, Wally. Uh, that's our complete story for today and we're sticking to it so don't forget to check out all our great episodes on spotify and and anchor and wherever else you find this podcast (laughs) 